And here's what they here's the title of this article. Want sustained happiness? Get religion. They, uh, the study analyzed 9,000 Europeans over the age of 50, and they, they looked at four areas. Volunteering in, with a charity, uh, taking educational courses, participating in a political or a community organization, or finally in a religious organization. And what they found is that uh, only participating in a religious organization was associated with sustained happiness. Uh, the short-term benefits from the other connections often led to dis- depressive sy- uh, symptoms. So don't volunteer for anything else, <laughs> only church. The church appears to play a very important social role in keeping depression at bay and also as a coping mechanism during periods of illness in later life. So if you were wondering, oh, is it worth my energies, my time today, absolutely. Uh, so I love it when, uh, when um, the secular world uncovers God's uh, wisdom, right? Let's pray. Lord, we are here today because we know that you exist and we know that we need more of you in our lives. And Lord, we are so thankful to live in a country where we can gather together openly without worry that the police will break in. And Lord, we have been uh, touched by uh, song today. Now we're going to open your word, and I pray that uh, you will just reveal more of yourself, more of your good plan for us. May we be your hands and feet to each other. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So we're, we are a young church. Uh, in, on, on September 20th, we are going to be uh, throwing a party, a second anniversary party. And so we're so young that we actually, we don't yet have formalized leadership. I'm kind of a solo leader right now. We don't have elders. In fact, uh, it's the elders at Change Point who currently have authority to act uh, within our church to correct doctrine and correct me if I get too out of line. Now, they can't tell us how to do church, but they, they can make sure we do it health in a healthy manner. One of our goals for this next ministry year is to establish our formal leadership team to appoint elders. And so our text today is, I think, very, um, very timely because in our Bible text uh, today, we, it's all about what makes a good elder. What's the role of an elder? Uh, who should and how should they function? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a candidate to be an elder. Some of you are. Some of you, a year from now, are going to be uh, functioning as elders. That's exciting, so pay very close attention. Uh, others of you, you might be thinking, ah, that's not me. Well, it might be someday. And for all of us, we all are going to be involved to some degree in the, in the uh, selection process. And we certainly need to know... Uh, what makes a, a good elder so we can encourage them in their very important role. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 20. Uh, we are in a series on the book of Acts, which records the history of the early church. Today is Acts chapter 20. Paul, here's where we are in the story. The apostle Paul is uh, completed, he's, he's on finishing up his third missionary journey. He's uh, traveling down the coast of Asia, he is determined to get to Jerusalem as fast as he can. And in our story today, he, 
he goes right past the uh, Ephesus. He he's got a little boat and he chooses not to make not to land at Ephesus, which is odd because he invested his life in the people of Ephesus for three years. He was the pastor of the church for three years. He cared about these people, and he purposely chose to bypass them and make land about one day's journey below Ephesus at a little place called Miletus. And Luke tells us he did it purposefully because he knew if I land in Ephesus, I'm going to end up getting stuck in Ephesus because there are so many people I know and love, and I'm going to want to uh, have to you know, meet them, and then the church will probably want me to uh, do a bunch of stuff, and next thing I know, I'll be there a month. So he purposely goes beyond Ephesus, lands at Miletus, and then he calls for the elders. He, so he sends a runner back up to Ephesus and says uh, to the elders of the church, I want you to come down to Miletus and, because I want to say something to you. So let me read the text, and we'll talk about its significance in our lives. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me that I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you, among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. There was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all, 
because of the word he had spoken that he would not see, they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. A church that has qualified elders, quality elders, is blessed. You know, Paul had poured himself into this church with tears, night and day for three years. These people mattered to him. This church was dear to him. And you know what? He's not worried. He knows he's never going to be back in Ephesus. He's never going to have personal contact with this church again, but he's not worried about it. Why? Because he knows that he's got quality elders overseeing the church, caring for the church. A church that has quality elders is so blessed. So blessed. Uh, in college, Luke and I attended a, a church that has been faithfully proclaiming the gospel since the late 1700s. Park Street Church. Why, why have they been faithful? Because they value their elders. They have a high calling. They are respected. They hold each other accountable. They take seriously their role. And as a result, there has been continuity, faithfulness for a couple hundred years. That's amazing. You know, uh, if Christ delays his return, there'll be a time when I'm gone. But one of, one of my goals is that Clearwater Church is still making a splash for God in Anchorage and around the world and is still faithful. That only happens is if God uh, puts in place and we encourage uh, quality elders. This is a big deal. This is very important uh, for our church and our church's health. Now, elder is an office. What you want to have is you want to have a church that's filled with elder quality people, but only some will occupy the office at any given time. When Paul sent back for the elders of Ephesus, they knew who they were. The church could point them out. They were occupying an office. And that office has a purpose. What's the purpose? Paul tells us uh, in verse 28, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. The elders exist so that the church is properly cared for. Uh, here we, the, the church here is talked about as a flock of sheep, and the elders are shepherds. There are three tasks. An elder has three tasks. Number one, model Christ's likeness. Paul says in verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves. That's the very first task of an elder. Can't give away what you don't have. You want to be a, 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 a healthy elder? Then you make sure that your own personal relationship with God is vibrant. Make sure that the, that the sin in your life is being plucked out like a, like a good gardener. Make sure that you're healthy. Because the whole church is looking to the leaders. The elders are modeling what it looks like to follow Christ. So number one, pay careful attention to yourselves, guys. Second task is to feed the flock. Uh, What does a shepherd do? The uh, shepherd leads the the flock of sheep to green pastures. They're the ones that have to nibble. They still have to self-feed, right? But you lead them to, to, uh, to green grass. Well, what does that translate to? You, you feed the sheep, you feed the church a steady diet of God's word, which is able to build you up. Uh, you keep pounding as, uh, the, the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. 
Give the church a steady diet of God's biblical truth. And then the third task is protect the sheep. What are we protecting from? Paul says here in verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. What are, what are the elders uh, protecting the church from? False teaching, which leads to bad behavior. In the early church, one of the uh, false teachings that was uh, circulating around was the idea that what we do in the body does not impact our soul. Uh, that we, you know, this, we are spiritual beings, and so we can, we can do whatever we want to with our body. We can sleep with whoever we want to, eat whatever we want to, act however we want, and it doesn't affect us spiritually. And that's false teaching, which leads to bad behavior. Those are the kind of things the, the elders uh, have to guard the church on. Fro, model Christ's likeness, feed the sheep, protect the sheep. That is, that's the task of the elders. If I were to boil down Paul's speech to kind of one idea, it's this. He's saying, guys... You want, to be, you want to succeed as elders? Do what I did. What you saw me do for three years, you do that. And if you do that, the, the church will be healthy and, and God will commend you and bless you. Do what I did. What you saw me do for three years, you do that. And God, uh, the church will be healthy and God will bless you. Paul sets himself up as the example but what I love about this text is he, he doesn't just say that. He then says, and let me remind you what I did. <laughs> uh, so that you are, so that what I think you saw, you know, you really did see. Let me just emphasize. So in verse 18, he says, uh, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. And then he goes on to articulate that. So we're going to spend the rest of our time in verses 19 through 21 as Paul um, restates what he did for three years that made him a successful shepherd of the church. We're going to walk through this slowly, each phrase at a time. Number one, Paul says, so this is how I, this is how I lived. Number one, serving the Lord. Paul was the apostle. He was the guy in charge. The buck stopped with Paul, and he says, but I never forgot that I was a servant. I never forgot that at the end of the day, it is Jesus Christ who is the head of the church and that I am going to have to give an account to him for the way I conducted myself within the church of God. So elders, uh, you're going to be given uh, authority within the church. The, you're the overseers. The buck stops with you. But never forget, that there's coming a day when you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for the way you served. And remember, this church matters to Jesus. We're told that he obtained it with his own blood. The bride of Christ, God cares about Clearwater Church and the people in Clearwater Church and the health of this church. And if he gives you the privilege to be an overseer, He's going to hold us to account, won't he? Never forget that you, you are serving the Lord. 
Serving the Lord with all humility. Definition of humility I like the most is this. Wielding power, not just for my own benefit, but for the benefit of other people. That's what Christ modeled. Jesus, being in the form of God, did not think equality with God something to be held on to, but he emptied himself and he went to the cross. And so Paul says, listen, I had, I had authority in the church. I had power in the church. But unlike the Gentiles, remember Jesus said, now the Gentiles, when they get power, what do they do? They use the power to benefit themselves. They lord it over those they're in charge of. Not so with the Christian servant leader. You use your power to benefit other people. That's what Paul's saying. I served with humility. Whatever authority I had, whatever power I was given, even the, even the miraculous power that God gave Paul, I wielded it on behalf of his church. High calling. And with tears. Twice in this text, Paul talks about his tears. Is he like effeminate or something? Is this like a girly guy? Why does he tell us he's crying? How many of you go around going, yeah, I was crying the other day, you know? How many guys around here say that? And uh, so he, why is it important? Why does he mention there, remember, I cried. <laughs> I think he's saying because I, I put my heart and soul into this thing. I was emotionally invested. What happened to the people at Ephesus, I cared about that. You cannot be an effective elder if you, uh, and be detached. There is no such... This is not like uh, being on another board where you go in and you disp dispassionately make decisions. Paul cried over these people. And he's, that's what he's telling these elders. I want you to cry. Are you, you know, are you, are you willing to cry? Well, that's a challenge to me. Am I willing to care about you and about your spiritual victories and your spiritual failures that I'm crying over you in prayer and, and, and appealing with you from a heart level. Please walk with the Lord. Please don't do that anymore. And with trials, oh, it just gets even better. How many hands are going, oh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not this one. Your hands will be in your pockets by the time it's done. And with trials, Paul suffered trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Elsewhere, he talks about how hard he worked, right? This is hard. This was hard. This was not an easy job. One thing I've, uh, in the time I've spent sitting with elders, uh, I've realized in the church, uh, the bad stuff kind of goes up. Who is it that has to field the complaints? Who has to correct the, uh, the, the, the immoral behavior? Who has, you know, it all goes to the, all the junk from the church kind of rises up and the elders have to deal with it. And I tell you, if the elders won't deal with it, elders who are afraid of conflict, who are not willing to walk into conflict, are ineffective. If you can't stomach Hardship, if you can't stomach trials, do not raise your hand to be an elder. It's like the bulk of the work is you're wading in the junk of people's not yet transformed behavior and thinking. And we all have it, right? We all do. So effective elders, they have to be willing to, to work hard. They have to be willing to endure trials. Misunderstandings. 
And a lot of times elders make decisions that, and then they, due to confidentiality reasons, they can't explain themselves to the rest of the church. And then you have all the, you know, all the backseat drivers who are like, well, what did they do that for, you know? And, and as an elder, you're sitting there going, I just want to tell you why, but I can't. Verse 20, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I have a picture here of a bodybuilder. Don't I? Oh, yeah. Know anything about, notice anything weird about this guy? Well, his jeans, but look at his legs. He's like got an enormous upper body and then skinny lower body. That's what happens when uh, the elders shrink back from teaching the whole counsel of God. It's like, you know, just working your upper body, forgetting. You get lopsided. You get an out of balance. There are some, there are uh, Christian truths. There, I don't want you looking like that, right? I don't have another more balanced picture, but I should. Uh, you don't want to look at that. Okay, switch that one. Go back. There we go. Okay. There are some Christian truths that the whole world applauds, right? Um, Turn the other cheek. Forgive 70 times 7. God's love conquers all. And so we can proclaim those truths and people are like, yay, amen, and, and gather a crowd. And then there are some biblical truths, the doctrine of hell, some of the uh, moral, ethical teachings that are out of touch with uh, society today. You know, the idea, sex is to be only enjoyed in the context of marriage. Marriage is to be between a man and a woman for a lifetime. Some of these part of God's, the whole counsel of God. And, um, and sometimes as elders, notice Paul, he says this twice. He says, I did not shrink, verse 20, from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And then over in 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. There is a temptation to shrink back from saying the whole, you know, telling the whole story, correcting people in their sin. And so we need elders who are willing to not just say the positive, feel-good things, not just tickle the ears, but who are willing to correct as well and, and proclaim the whole counsel of God. He goes on, and teaching you in public and from house to house. Uh, you can't just rely on uh, ministering to the crowd. What I think he says here is, I, I tracked people down. Ministry got personal. I didn't just deal with the crowd and, 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 and do an, kind of anonymous ministry. I, I went to your house. I knew your name. I knew what was going on in your family. I ministered to you uh, on, a, on a personal level. And so elders, you know, are you willing to get personal? They're you don't have to know everybody, but you're going to get involved in some people's lives in a very, uh, a very personal way. 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks. Paul did not have favorites. If God makes you an overseer of his, of his church, if you're a shepherd of the flock, every single sheep has to matter. And now, there are some people that you just naturally get along with more than others. There might even be people in the church that are a little bit irritating, a little weird. Uh, and yet, you have to care about them. You have to be willing to minister to them without partiality. 
rich, poor, young, old, educated, uneducated, on and on. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God, final one, and of faith in our Lord Jesus. Here I think Paul is reminding them, I did evangelism. Uh, it's, it's easy as elders because there are so many, you know, especially as the insider, the number of insiders grows, it's easy to just get focused on what's happening inside and forget there are still people outside the church who need to repent and get right with God, put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then be incorporated into the church. So healthy elders have to both care for the, the sheep and also be looking uh, for more sheep. All right, so how many, you don't have to show your hands, but uh, how many have your hands firmly in your pockets now? Never mind. I'll find another place to serve here in the church. <laughs> Luke does. He's going to wait out. He's grabbing his kneecaps. I t- so I read over this, and listen, on my best day, some of these, I'm good at some of these, on my de- best day. And so I'm reviewing this thing, and I'm thinking, who in the world is up for this? Who is up for this? This is such a ridiculously high calling. Who in the world is going to put his hand up and say, oh yeah, I can do that. Well, be encouraged by what Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says, you know, this is a faithful saying. Whoever desires to be an overseer desires a noble task. And you know what? For some of you, God has put that desire in your heart. And that is a good desire. And you know what? We are not capable in and of ourselves to do this. We aren't. But we have the spirit of living God within us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so you know what? Uh, if you desire to be an overseer, you desire a noble task. And what you do is you say, God, uh, give me the privilege. Would you give me a privilege of being an elder in your church? And do whatever changes I need to make skill building I need, please you know, develop me, and then Lord, help me. Help me to be like Paul, a faithful elder, a quality elder in your church. And you know, there's a blessing associated with it. It's not a financial blessing. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul, three years he served Ephesus, and nobody ever paid him. I'm much better off than he is. You guys pay me, thank you. But he says, you, you yourself know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. He was a tent maker, and so he, he uh, on the side, he worked his tent making business and to pay for him himself and to pay with all his, for all his other guys. That's amazing. So he said, the, the, you're not in it for the money, guys. Well, then what's the reward? He goes on and says, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You will be blessed. Listen, Christ loves the church. The church matters to him. And when you join Christ in caring for the church, you better believe he's going to bless you. He's absolutely going to bless you. Your, your efforts, the the toil, the hardship you go through, the tears you shed, uh, you're doing that on his behalf, and he is going to bless you. He's going to bless your family. And the blessings are not 
the material blessings, most likely, of the world, but they are deep spiritual blessings. I have no idea how much uh, junk the Lord has protected me from and my family from because, because of um, my service to the church. I, don't, I have no idea the kind of blessings that are in my life, the peace and other things that, that uh, are because I'm serving the church. Final couple verses, I think, are just one of the blessings. Never says this, but I, 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 it follows right after. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And it goes on. And when he'd said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. There was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful because they weren't going to see him again. Who doesn't want to have that kind of uh, community, right? Because Paul had given his life to these guys, they loved him. They cried over him. They embraced him. They kissed him. He mattered to them. And that is definitely one of the blessings of being a, a, good, uh, a good leader in Christ's church. The church appreciates it. They love you for it. It's a wonderful blessing. So let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> some people here today who have heard this message are going to be elders right here at Clearwater Church. A year from now, they will be leading. And Lord, I pray that you would use today's message to uh, inspire them, begin to work on their hearts, give them a desire for this incredibly important task. And may they see its a seriousness, the weightiness of it. We, we need great elders, Lord. Please bless us. Lord, I am so thankful. I hear from so many of my pastor friends that they, they struggle to find even a handful of qualified people. And Lord, and you know that I'm saying this with sincerity, uh, this church is filled with elder quality people. I thank you for that, Lord. And so, Lord, then there are some who, uh, not now, but someday, I think about some of our teenagers. Someday they're going to be uh, the elders in the church. And, Lord, I pray that uh, this message would set them on a, on a course to prepare and to desire and Lord, all of us, give us wisdom as we select and, and as we cheer on and hold accountable uh, the elders of Clearwater Church. Lord, I pray that you would bless us with uh, high-quality elders who will, who will uh, keep the church here healthy for many, 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 many years. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.